All right, and welcome to the 4T Podcast, the podcast for people who are interested in Japan or interested in coming to Japan. I'm Austin. And I'm Brian. And welcome to the podcast. So today we're going to talk about ALTs versus A Kaiwa.、Mm-hmm. But first, should we show them what today's.、Yeah. Today's, uh, today's snack, or should we say oyatsu? <laughs> oyatsu is the term they use for snack for small kids, like in kindergarten or daycare, when, <laughs> at like 3 o'clock when they get、oh, snack.、Yeah. So today's oyatsu is. Karinto. Karinto. So, what are karinto exactly? Well, it. The best way I could possibly describe this is if you think of like a Cheeto and it has no cheese flavoring on it whatsoever, but then they dunk it in molasses and brown sugar, that's pretty much cutting tall. That explains it pretty well, yeah. These things are great,、uh, they go great with green tea.、Mm-hmm. Um, and I know my wife personally won't touch them because she hates the taste.、Yeah. My, my wife doesn't like it, but my mother in law loves、oh, these. And、go. she always sends me,、uh, sends me Karinto when they send a care package from Akita. There you go. Yep, so today is Karinto. And today I will be drinking Jurokcha. And what Jurokcha is, this is by the Asahi Company, and there are 16 different kinds of.、Um, Plants inside, inside of there. So there are things like corn, sunflowers,、um, barley, and well, other different, a lot of different ones. Yep. So this is something that、uh, this one has no caffeine in it. So、uh, this is good for kids and babies, and something that I actually drink a lot during summer.、Mm-hmm. Even has dandelion. It does, yes, dandelion. And what I'm drinking is dodecamine. Basically, dodecamine is, a,、um, has, is high in vitamins. It's like a vitamin drink, but it also doubles as an energy drink. Yes. Yeah, so this is kind of like a, a, a very uh, carbonated uh, Red Bull. Yeah, I would, I would say it's about the same as it tastes the same about as a Red Bull、um, and probably has twice the amount of、uh, bubbles, carbonation in it. Yeah. So, this is what I'm going to be drinking. Yep. So, both of us are healthy, kind of. No. All right. I don't know how healthy this is. I think this has got a lot of sugar in it. <laughs> It's vitamins, vitamins. Sugar's a vitamin, right? It is. Okay. Yeah, ask the dentist. <laughs> All right. So, let's pop into these things. Feel the people. Yeah. Well, I'm going to. Tear mine open like this so we get the least amount of crinkles in it. There you go. All right, and here's what we're left with. Yeah. When my dad came to visit, he was a little bit iffy on trying these. Like, I just showed it to him, but he, he's like, wow, these really look like cat turds. <laughs> well, there you go. Karinto, the cat turd of snacks. Yeah, so my dad forgets the name Karinto. He's like, so next time I come and visit, we need to get them cat turds. Oh, good. Here we go. Mm. They're good. It's a great anytime snack. Yep. And as you can see, I'm not sure if you can see it, but inside there's. It's exactly the same as a Cheeto,、mm-hmm. just without the cheese flavoring. Yep. So it's a molasses Cheeto? It is a molasses Cheeto. Mm hmm. 
And that's what they need to market. Molasses Cheetos, mm-hmm. not spicy hot Cheetos. Yeah. Reminds me of, not to go on a small tangent there, but getting Cheetos in Japan. Just an FYI, if you plan on getting any kind of chip in Japan, expect there to be sugar on it. <laughs> Unless you go to Costco. Yeah. But other than that, yeah. There's... Yeah. There's, they put sugar on the chip, so you'll get like the, instead of getting like the nacho Doritos, you'll get taco flavored, and the taco flavored ones have sugar on it, so you're eating the chips and you're like, God, what is that weird taste? Yeah. And basically, it's a sugar flavoring that they put on the chips, and it's basically all chips have them. Yeah, I wonder why that is. I don't, I don't know either. But there's something for the next podcast. Exactly. All right, so let's get started here. Mm. Um, do we want to go over ALT first, or do you want to go over Akaiwa first? Well, both of us are currently ALTs, so we might as well go over that first. Right. So, for you, being um, uh, for where you live and where where you work. Um, what does your job entail? So my job, the base, the base of the job is because I'm a dry tire just like you. Uh, the base of the job is just to go to the schools and support communication with the students, um, make the students comfortable with foreigners, and help the teachers do their job. Um, going above and beyond that means to uh, make worksheets and stay after school to help with club activities and doing other things like that, like the bunkasai or the sports days. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, because me and my schedule and living so far away from where I work, I don't always get a chance to go to the bunkasais and whatnot. Uh, just so you know, bunkasai means um, like culture festival. Yes, there's the bunkasai and the uh, sports days and other festivals that all schools have. Mm-hmm. So that's the base of being what an, of what an ALT is and where I where I work. What about you? Uh, for me, um, my my job is a little different because I, I with, with my um, job title and whatnot, um, I do a lot of the same of what you do. I'm supposed to assist the teachers, help with worksheets, help with um, language learning in the classroom, but um, and I. There's thing, many different things I can go above and beyond with, but my main goal is to basically help the entire town, and not just the just the public schools, but also like I, I go to community centers and I teach for different community centers. I teach for different after school programs. Um, I also uh, do uh, one of the community centers I go to is for small children. So uh, sometimes I'll have children between the ages of like eight months and three years old that I'm teaching as well at the same time. And usually about once a year, I do what they call the ego salon or like the English mm. salon. Okay. And what I'm supposed to do is I pick a topic and I have to uh, write a paper on a topic, and then I have to give a lecture to the. Uh, the, the people in town here that run a trans, the translation club, and they want me to basically do a uh, a um, uh, a lecture of some kind in English on a topic of my choosing. This year, we're doing it on second language acquisition theory and uh, for adults. Very nice, very interesting. My my town, we do the same thing. Uh, every once in a while, we do we go to the after school clubs and we do uh, kindergartens, preschools. We don't do the the lecture like you do, yeah. but what we do do is, in my town, there's a group of older people. Um, I think it's the Silva, the the Silver people. I think it's what it translates into. Um, and they 
they do a manabi manabi ai manabi kai and that is where they come together and they listen to a lecture once a year actually they do about once a month about different things and in my town there are five alts so each of us does a different uh lecture each year so last year it was mine and i did mine about american culture and the differences between america and japan this year another alt will do something different so it's kind of kind of similar to what you have. Mm-hmm. Very interesting kind of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, so one of the main things that ALTs usually do when working at a school is make worksheets. Make worksheets is probably your number one job. Yes. Yeah. As an ALT, making worksheets um, to support the teacher is really important, um, but. It's also very difficult as well, especially yeah. if you work for multiple teachers because mm -hmm. they all have different ways of teaching. Mm -hmm. For example, one of my teachers is nearly 60, so nearly the retirement age. And she has a strict regiment of worksheets that she uses. She will never accept a worksheet of mine, even though I give it to her and say, you know, if you want to use this, use it. And then there's another teacher who's around maybe my age, around 30, and she uses all the technology in, in class. And she always wants me to get videos and, and all the multimedia projects. So it's really difficult to do. That's why um, when I first came to Japan, and something I use to this day is called Horenso, Hokaku Renlaku Sodan, which is pretty much meet, uh, talk about an idea, meet, meet with the teachers about the idea, and then have a meeting about the final product. Mm -hmm. So it's a little difficult to make the worksheets. But once you get working for a little while, it gets a little easier. Yeah, depending on the school you're in and whatnot, um, sometimes the facilities uh, don't really allow for a uh, electronic classroom, yes. if you want to put it that way. Um, I'm pretty sure that at uh, some of the schools that I have taught at, um, if you were to take a picture now with the uniforms and everything, and you were to take a picture take a, and compare it to a picture 65 years ago and both in black and white, they would look exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So it, it, the, the classrooms look exactly the same, and some of the teachers, they haven't changed their teaching style since... 1965. Yes. So, and like like he said, it, it it all depends on the teacher you get. Me, I prefer an entire electronic classroom. I don't even like worksheets, personally. Uh, what I do is I create entire lessons and everything that the teachers want, and um, because usually there's recycled lessons, especially with elementary school. Oh yes. Yeah, and so what I do is I take all those recycled lessons and I make a fun lesson, basically on PowerPoint. And I put all that stuff out there like that. So me, I prefer to use an electronic classroom. And as of recent, the schools that I've been teaching at, they have upgraded the classrooms. There's TVs in the classrooms now, like Ooh. big TVs, like not even like a 32-inch. I'm talking like a 55-inch TV oh, wow. in the classroom and whatnot. So it makes it a lot easier to teach the kids, and the kids tend to have a lot more fun. I also try and use YouTube in the classroom. I try and do things like that. Another thing is is that I, um, as a hobby, I do a little bit of programming. So mm -hmm. I make program, programmed games for the kids in the classroom to play. So, And they seem to go over very, very well. Yep. Anything to get the kids involved and get them communicating and really thinking is what the teachers seem to like. Yeah. Good. 
I also have had uh, issues with certain teachers. It seems like as after teachers reach a certain year of experience, they just don't have to care about what anybody else thinks. And I, that's kind of cultural. I mean, it, uh, the way I worded it sounds bad, but it's, it, it's kind, of, kind of a blunt way to look at it. That kind of it kind of goes into the senpai system yeah. of Japan, and we can talk about that in a later podcast. Right, but yeah, um, in Japan, basically, uh, it doesn't matter your it doesn't matter your uh, credentials. It matters your years at a place and your experience there. So, so that'll we can talk about that. It, to give to give you just a brief explanation, if someone spent thirty years pressing the same button. The same single button on a computer without ever actually having to type up papers or anything for 30 years. And someone who had been doing it for 20 years and actually doing all the paperwork and doing all the works and set at work instead of pressing the button were to come up for the same job opportunity. The person with 30 years would get the job and then probably make the person who was 20 years basically do all the work. Yes. Yeah, that's a brief, brief overview yeah, of just the a, senpai just, system. Just a brief overview of the senpai system. But um, going back to this, I have a teacher that I have that I have uh, I've worked with, and that teacher does not allow me to teach in the same classroom with them at the same time. Wow! At all. Well, that's interesting. Like, not even for pronunciation, not even for reading. I am not allowed in the classroom with that teacher. Hmm. Why is that? Have you found out a reason for that? It's been since day one. Interesting. Maybe to separate the grammar practice and then separate the native communication practice? No, this this teacher is getting close to retirement, uh-huh. and this teacher doesn't want an ALT in the classroom. There you go. There's some stud- there are some teachers that are very stubborn like that. Yep. Especially, it's always the older ones. Yep. That's true. Closer to mandatory retirement, the more crotchety they get. Right. For lack of a better term. All right, so that's an ALT. What about an Eikaiwa? You've had more experience with this. So what's... Okay, so... What is an Eikaiwa? One thing to do to separate the two is usually the ALT position, even if you're working at a private school or a public school, it doesn't matter, your hours are usually like 8 to 5. Or like nine to five, or like eight to four, somewhere somewhere around those time that time period are your set hours Monday through Friday, and sometimes there's an event on Saturday that you have to go to. Mm-hmm. But that's for ALTs. Now we switch over to Akaiwa, which basically means that you may have Sunday free, and you might be working seven days a week, mm. but your schedule can be sporadic. So, as an example, let's just say Monday morning you go to work, you look at the schedule, because a lot of times with Akaiwa, the person scheduling for their classes does it like the night before, and then they tell you when you get to work that day or before you get to work. So, you might not know how stressful your day is going to be or how many classes you have in one day uh, right at the very beginning. So, what will happen is, is you'll go into work, you will look at the schedule, and every now and then you'll get lucky and you'll have like six or seven classes together. And you're like, whew, 
like 40, 45 minutes, maybe an hour, depending. But it's all done, one chunk, done. I can go home. Then you get the unlucky days where you have two classes in the morning at like 8, eight o'clock in the morning, like 8 and 9, and then you have your next two classes at like 6 and 7 at night. And those are the only two classes you have to teach that day. So scheduling is very sporadic, and usually everyone tries to take classes on Saturday, and some people try and pay extra money to have classes on Sunday, and sometimes the Akaiwa will force you over to work on Sunday, giving you an, a different day off instead. So that's the difference between Akaiwa and ALT, but what goes? what's the difference in teaching for Akaiwa and ALT? Well, for... ALT, usually the private schools and the public schools have a set curriculum set to them by the government itself. Yes. A, a, a set curriculum that they have to teach to the students. The students, students have to know the contents of that lesson or that unit, that textbook, for that year. So that, that's the set that the teacher has to teach them. At an Akaiwa, it is a company. It is not a public service or it's not a like public education. So it's all tailored to the uh, customer. So if the customer wants to do a class that's all conversation with nothing else, they will get a class that's all conversation and nothing else. If somebody came into an Akaiwa and said, hey, I am trying to write... Um, uh, business letters or extracts or like medical extracts or I'm trying to uh, uh, make sure that my writing is up to par, they can come to an Akaiwa and usually the Akaiwa will have somebody there that will do all the writing to for the writing for the person. So the main, the, one of the main differences is one is corporate and the other is public. Hmm. And there's also another thing that Akaiwas do that ALTs generally don't and that is teaching for Aiken, TOEIC, TOEFL, or GMAT. Yep. So as an ALT in the public schools, you'll get students coming in to practice for Aiken, which mm -hmm. is the English uh, proficiency test for mm -hmm. uh, younger kids. Mm -hmm. So that will, that will entail usually you interviewing them, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. And then the Aikaiwa, they go over TOEIC, TOEFL, and GMAT. Now, I've never done those, but have you ever the done G G-Tech? G-Tech. G-Tech, yeah. Um, one of the Akaiwa that I worked at, um, they had a specific TOEIC program. Um, we actually had to build a TOEFL program. We didn't have one on file, so we actually had to uh, work with what the student wanted and what the, uh, the student's um, preferred... Um, what is it, avenue in which they wanted to study, uh, we had to uh, create um, a TOEFL class around that. So we had a textbook and everything, but we made sure that we focused on the areas the student wanted to focus on. Hmm. Um, just so you know, the uh, TOEFL exam is reading, writing, listening, and speaking, but the TOEIC is only reading and uh, listening. For now. For now. Yep. It will be changing because of the 2020 Olympics. Yes. Um, so, where were we at? Uh, G-Tech. Oh, G-Tech. G-Tech is the uh, business-based uh, test. So, usually this one is uh, speaking and listening more than anything. There's some reading. There's, uh, there's a little... I don't think there's any writing in it. I think there's some reading in it. But there's... Um, it's basically listening and speaking. It's all business-based. Hmm. 
Okay. All right. So that's the different kind of testing things that you can do for uh, as an ALT and an Eikaiwa. So the big question for people coming to Japan, well, two questions. One, how do you go about finding a job? And two, which is better, Eikaiwa or ALT? <laughs> that's a difficult one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like a heavy hitting topic here. Right, right. I, I, I mean this in a joking manner. I love my job. I love what I do. Me too. But it's Me kind too. of like getting choosing between uh, poison or being stabbed. <laughs> Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, uh, yeah, I love my job. I love teaching the kids that I teach. I, I have a great time. But there, there are certain things that will just absolutely irk you about being an ALT. And especially if you've been in ALT for two or three years and you get this really irked feeling. And then all of a sudden you look over and you see this A-Kaiwa job. And you're like, Wow. That looks fantastic. That looks like utter freedom. I can do that. Then you go get that uh, Eikaiwa job, and you realize you have absolutely no free time to do anything. So you really, when you come over, it's pick your poison, which one you want. Yeah, grass always looks greener on the other side, but it's kind of brown and dead no matter where you look. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> if you're looking, if you're looking for a steady, a steady work workflow, uh, something you'll have the same time every day, and pretty much you'll know what you're gonna do. Probably the ALT job would be would be the best for, but for more, sometimes more pay and a little more freedom. Sometimes the Eikaiwa job would be the thing to choose. Yeah, the more hours you work for an Eikaiwa job, usually your salary goes up. And after you reach, because some people here, we call them lifers, <laughs> right here, uh, we, that we're, we're people that are going to be here for a long time. The average person that comes to teach in Japan will stay maybe a year, up to three is around average. Yeah, I think three is the average. Anything above that is You're, very rare. Is very rare for somebody that's planning on going back home. Yeah. So... Uh, so after you reach your three-year period, people will just ask you if you're a lifer or not. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you should really just answer yes or no at that point. Yeah. yeah so, when are you, so when are you buying your house? When are you settling down? You've been here three years. Right. Yeah. So, but um, uh, getting back to that, um, just keep in mind that uh, there is room for advancement in Eikaiwa. There is no room for advancement in ALT. Unless you're very, very lucky. And, well, if you're very lucky, there's actually, I actually found this out the other day, okay? And when I say the other day, I mean about, about a year ago. Okay. There's a special license that you can get after teaching like so many years in uh, Japan doing an ALT job. And you have to get permission from the uh, prefectural office and everything. But it is this long process, this long interview and everything. And you have to demonstrate that you know, like, the entire contents of what you're teaching. You can get a specialized license to teach alone in a classroom mm. as a foreigner teaching in Japan. Now, with that said, <laughs> the process of going through this is kind of like running a gauntlet. You know, like uh, Takashi's Castle. Oh yeah. You know, with the with all the people that are be that are trying to go over all the obstacles. You know, the number of people that get through there. That, that that's about the number of people that there's the number of people that actually go to do it, and the number of people that actually get through. 
Yeah, the number of people that actually get through are very, very few. Usually they recommend that you have like a master's degree in teaching. Mm. Um, I think a JLPT2 proficiency. Okay. And a, uh, what is it, like minimum of six, uh, minimum of six years of teaching at a, at one location at like one school or whatnot, and having a consistent contract for six years, and after that six years, your next contract has to be like a like longer than a year. Hmm. It has to like the the place that's hiring you has to hire you for like for like at least like five to like five to ten years onto that job in order to get that specialized license. And that being said, that's nigh impossible. Uh, getting a, a getting a contract for more than a year uh, for a town is pretty rare because when you work as a foreigner, as an ALT or a Kiwa, you're considered a part-time, not a full-time teacher. If uh, I'm not mistaken. Well, not for direct hires. Direct hires. Direct hires. I'm considered full-time. Oh, okay. That's something that. Um, Something about the contracts where not a lot of people were hired for more than a year yearly basis, mm-hmm. and so to get that special license is where it will kind of that'll kind of stop you unless you're very very lucky. Right. So, yeah. Right. It'd be a little difficult. But the, the, there is a downside to that license at the same time. Of course. One thing to keep in mind about teaching in Japan is that Japanese teachers are at school seven days a week. Mm-hmm. And they're doing club activities, they're doing lessons, they're sleeping at their desk. Um, uh, j- just a little tidbit, it- it's okay to take like a 20-minute nap at your desk if it's break time. It shows your dedication to your job. Right. There's, it, a, there's a word for it. It's Yeah. It's like you're, you're so worked and so... Not stressed, but you, you're putting in so much effort that yeah. you need to take a 20-minute nap is the feeling that they get from Yeah, it. so when you come to Japan and you see the teachers in the corner sleeping like this, when I first came, it was kind of annoying. I was like, wow, I'm here working. Why aren't you working? But then, you know, you learn about the culture and yep. it's okay. Right. So the downside to getting this specialized license is that once you get that specialized license, you are not no you are no longer looked at as an ALT. You were looked at as a teacher, mm-hmm. which means that you might have a home room, which means you might have uh, what does it have to come in on Saturdays and Sundays to help with the um, sports festival or the culture festival, or for whatever or like the beginning of the semester end of the semester like setup and whatnot you might have to come to all the P- pta meetings and whatnot so just because you get this specialized license and now you can teach a class doesn't necessarily mean that uh you get uh you get all the perks of being an alt which yeah. means you can go home at five <laughs> yeah generally speaking most of the teachers at least in the town where i work with they work until about six or seven at night and when it comes to testing, I've had teachers who just sleep at their at their desk. They bring a sleeping bag and they sleep. Yeah. So, being a teacher in Japan, it's pretty stressful. Yeah, to say I, the least. There, there, there have been uh, what is it? People, the teachers that I have known that um, that got two months off because of depression. Yep. 
Like they 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 just couldn't come to work work like for the rest of the year. Like I didn't see that teacher for the rest of the year. There's a whole bunch of people that like uh, and teachers that just get out with depression. Uh, some of them look like they haven't slept. They get really irritable really easily, really easily. Yeah, yeah. Um, just recently, one of the teachers I worked with, she was gone for three months because she was at a psychiatric, psychiatric hospital because of testing stress. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, while it may seem good to get your get that special license and work in Japan, it can be it can be a blessing and a curse at the same time. Right, because it's a blessing because when it comes to teaching your lesson, you get to do it your way. You get to have everything done your way, and if someone comes in, you have like a, a helping teacher that comes in like that. They can't change your lesson from you. Now, downside to that is, is that you basically are uh, stuck doing slave labor. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. So, probably the last thing that people want to know is, what's the pay like? Pay like? Well, <laughs> that that all depends on who you work for. Exactly. Um, keep in mind that to get to Japan, you will probably have to take a job through a like a corporate dispatcher like there's a lot of people that get into the jet program and we can do something specifically on jet itself but especially if you're coming from the united states coming from the united states and trying to get into the jet program um it's all going to depend on the location that you're at they take more people from like let's just say like the los angeles um uh, San Diego area or New York area, they take more people because of a higher population than they would like would say like Denver or like Minneapolis and Minnesota. So where they would take like 200 people from Los Angeles, they might only take like five from Denver. Yes. So saying I'm going to get into jet is all great and all, but it all depends on location. Um, another thing to uh, to keep in mind uh, is that usually with these dispatch jobs, you can get um, you can get into Japan. They'll get you into Japan. They usually have a really high turnover rate because of that. But um, they can get you into Japan. They can get you your visa. They can get you started. You can work for them a year, but the pay is usually not very high. Like I think I had uh, the equivalent of uh, twenty five thousand dollars a year. And when I came, I was about the same. Yeah. So. And they made me pay for the car as well. Like oh, wow. I had, like, I had twenty five thousand a year, but I had to pay three hundred dollars a month for the car for rental. Right. Not. And for me, it was. I didn't really have a car. I didn't use it, so I didn't have to pay. But there was utilities, gas, and everything else that you had to pay for as well. So, you know, after paying everything every month, you were left with. Just maybe a hundred bucks. Yeah, and that's not even including like student loans. Yeah. So if you think about like student loans, like coming here, like you you basically pay your utilities, rent, and then your taxes, your uh, taxes. Yeah. yeah you, you get you have your monthly taxes. You have to pay your monthly health care. You have to pay. You have all of this stuff, and including the car and everything. Like I was saying before, for renting, um, you have all this stuff you have to pay. And then the student loans are looking at you hungry. And you have to pay them. Then you pay them, and you're left with, like, 
maybe two, three hundred dollars for the whole month. Yeah, if you're lucky. If you're lucky, and that goes for food and your what is it like uh, uh, toiletries, yeah. like and everything is all that three hundred dollars. So, just to put it frankly, you're gonna be poor. <laughs> that. But it's only for your first year. While you're working that first year, when you in your free time, if you can get internet or you can get to Wi-Fi, start looking for a different job immediately. If you have like student loans and you have all that stuff that you have to pay for, and you can't, it, it seems like it's not going to be enough to live on. Don't just leave right away because there's different, definitely different jobs out there that you can get and get more experience with. So, well, then that brings up the next point: How do you find a job? Well, if you're coming, if you're coming from America, how did you find your job? Uh, well, or, I would. Yeah. Well, maybe you want to tell them how you got your job first. Okay. I, I just had just a really big talking point. Should let you get in on it right. too. All right. Fine. Jeez. <laughs> um, for me, uh, I had an interest in Japan for a long time. So after I graduated university, I tried my hand at the JET program. I tried for three consecutive years applying for the jet program and failed each time. So what city were you in? Denver. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, after the, after the failing with the jet program for so long, I, I put an internet search out to any dispatch company I could find. I, I applied with jet, Interac, uh, ECC junior, Nova, um, heart corporation, GABA, GABA, not GABA. No. Okay. Um, and Joy Talk, oh, okay, probably yeah. those, probably those six, and I got, I got brought over with, um, one company. I probably shouldn't tell who it is, because they might, I don't know how uh, vindictive they are. But they, uh, <laughs> they brought me here, and they, they that gives you a hint. <laughs> so they 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 plopped me. They said, "Come to Japan, and have three thousand dollars in pocket, just in case you know anything goes wrong." Got here and I interviewed with them while in America. Then I interviewed one more time here, and if they didn't accept me, I'd be sent home immediately. So, doing internet searches uh, works pretty well, and going through referrals as well. Um, if you know anyone who had been in the uh, in the programs before, like Jet or Interact, anything, they can refer you, and they usually get a little kickback from that. So. If you want to get a job, do internet searches. Um, I would probably the biggest ones are JoyTalk, Interact, and Jet. So you'd probably have a good uh, chance of coming over with them. I chose a separate one, and I kind of had a hard time when I came over here. I will let you know right now that I do not know which company he worked for, but I will let you know something that happened recently within the last ten years or so. One of these companies um, went in. They didn't go bankrupt, but they lost a, their company. Lost a lot of stock and lost a lot of money, and they ended up not even paying their teachers because they lost so much money. So this corporate company that lost this money, and I think I know which company you're talking about <laughs> here. I'm just not going to say it out loud. Um, they didn't pay their teachers and some of the teachers still had to take them to like civil court in order to get the money that they owed them yeah that company um a lot of the p people that i know uh they they work for them and they kept getting notices like oh your 
your payment's coming next month. You're, you're going to get paid next month. We're just a little slow. And after two or three months of this, people started to hear uh, news coming down the grapevine, and they finally had to take legal action. Some of them had to take legal action or just leave Japan because they couldn't afford it anymore. Right. So getting a job in Japan is lovely, but make sure you're really informed on where you're getting yeah, a job at. And keep in mind that, and this is this is some dire thing that you need to know when you come to Japan. All right. Japan, when they do taxes and they do health care, it's all based on the previous year's taxes. Okay? So when you get your, your slip for health care and you get your slip for taxes, and this is your first year in Japan, they're going to make it like an amount of like maybe $50 for health care for the entire year, or they're going to make it like, um, like $70 for the um, taxes or pension for the entire year because it's all based on your taxes from the year before. And because you weren't in Japan the year before, they don't know exactly how much to charge you. With that said, don't get used to that amount as being your taxes or your health care because it's going to change. I went from having uh, $70 a month or $50 a month for health care to it jumping to $300 a month to health care. And it was just one month after that year cycle went up and I'm just like, whoa, that is huge. Yep. Your money will disappear. Yeah. So. You'll be surprised. So. Keep a stash just in case when this finally comes because it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks. Yeah, you'll get um, there's the prefectural taxes and there's the nationwide taxes that you have to pay as well. Mm -hmm. And for me at least, um, they come in a nice little packet where you can rip off each month and pay, pay them. And it's 120,000 yen, so 1,000 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. You can choose to pay that monthly or just rip off the whole book and pay it all at one time right that's probably the best thing to do just so you don't lose the pamphlet or something doesn't get lost in the mail but you have two of those you have the prefectural and the nationwide and not including health insurance and auto insurance if you have it so be sure to save some money when you come over right right and i i cannot i cannot stress enough especially if you're working for the uh, dispatch companies like we were talking about, the one that he worked for that had a little bit of trouble financially, um, and a few of the other ones, they will have you, they will tell you that it's a full-time position. But when you finally get here, you will realize that according to Japanese labor law, you have to be working 30 hours or more to be considered full-time. And the amount of time that you're scheduled to work for these companies is 29.5 hours. So technically, you're here part-time. When you are here part-time, com the company is, does, is, does not have to enroll you in what's called Shakai Hoken, or basically company health insurance. And they don't have to enroll you in company pension. And because they don't have to enroll you in that, that means that you have to pay the full amount yourself. Now, just to give you a basis, when you pay what's called the Shakai Hoken, the, um, the company health insurance, um, the company picks up half the tab and you pay the other half. So your actual tab may be $500 a month, 
Like that's like what you're supposed to pay, but the company will pick up half of that. So you technically working full time for that company, you only have to pay two hundred fifty dollars a month working full time. But if you're working part time, the twenty nine point five hours, that means you have to pay the full five hundred yourself. So there's a lot of lot of red tape and a lot of things to be really aware of when you're coming to Japan. Right. Don't also also another thing not to forget is that with those companies as well, and you know about this, maybe you can explain. Um, what happens at the uh, middle part of August and uh, December, and uh, usually the end of March? Well, there's a lot of different things that happen. But uh, money-wise? Oh, let's see. Money-wise, what will happen in March? You might have to explain this. Oh, well. okay. Uh, companies, one of the companies that I worked for, um, they prorated you. So... Because usually uh, the kids are out for summer vacation, you're not in the school. Oh, okay, okay. I know the, what you're about. Uh, the company then takes and gives you a 60% paycheck. There you go. In August. Or you get a 75% paycheck in December. Or in March, you may get a 75% paycheck in March because you're technically not going to be teaching any classes in the school. So therefore, those three months out of the year, you need to have extra money saved back to cover your bills from those previous months because you're being prorated. And this is why a lot of ALTs have uh, part-time jobs as well. But the thing about that is there's actually laws set up or rules set up with the companies. A lot of the times... ALTs are not allowed to have part-time jobs. So, Unless you get, like, specific permission. Yeah, you have to get, um, for the town I work in, if you're not working as a direct hire, you have to get special permission from the prefecture, and then you have to get special permission from the town, and then you have to go to the Board of Education and get permission from them. And all of that together will take months. That yep. If you're struggling for money, that, those months, without that extra job will cause you a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. So, um, But usually for some of the other companies, when you're working for a... when you're not direct hire, you're not jet, you can get a part-time job pretty easily. Yeah. I had one. I had a part-time job when I was working there. Here's the other thing to keep in mind if you get a part-time job <laughs> and you actually start making money. I think it's once you get over like the equivalent of $35,000 a year, you go up a tax bracket. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. when you go up a tax bracket, that means the amount of taxes that you pay jump up like $200. Something around that, yeah. Um, I think it's if you make under a million yen a year, you get charged. You don't get charged any taxes. Right. Or uh, income tax. If you make over a million yen a year, you get charged... Uh, Five percent. Five percent. If you make two million or over, it's ten percent, and then it goes up until then. It's yeah. Once you get to, once you hit like it's, I think thirty five is the cutoff. Is it thirty five? It's either thirty five or thirty three. I can't remember exactly. Mm -hmm. But once you hit that, it sucks. Yeah. It really sucks. I went. I went from paying. Uh, what is it? Um, my um, health insurance went from being. Uh, $300 a month, three, $400 a month to being 650. Mm -hmm. And that was just because I jumped, I barely hit the mark jumping the tax bracket. 
Yep. Yeah, the Japanese, they will, uh, they'll hit you hard. They're, they're very, um, how do I want to say, penny pinchers, and the bureaucracy, they, they really pay attention to details. So, uh, if you're not careful. I, I, I'm not going to lie, and this is not a jab towards the country that I love living mm-hmm. in, but you might have a better, you, you, it might be better to negotiate with Vogons than it would be to negotiate with Japanese over bureaucracy. So what's a Vogon for people well, who don't know? If you've read the Douglas Adams Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you'll know that Vogons are very, very big on bureaucracy. And like I said, it's probably easier to negotiate <laughs> with them than it would be to negotiate with Japanese people over bureaucracy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit... Um, and Japanese poetry is better. Yeah, so there's a lot of things to a lot of things to think about. A lot of information we just went over. Yeah, and like like I said, if you have any questions or anything on a specific topic or anything like that, please put it in the comments, and we will we can go over it again. We can we can have like maybe like a questions day or something. Oh like yeah, that. of course. And when when people that have made comments and questions, and we just basically look at the comments on a computer here, and then we'll just say them, like and then talk about talk about those comments online. That would be a good next podcast. Maybe not next one, but <laughs> not, yeah, a future podcast. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's about all I have to talk about. How about you? Yeah. Uh, one thing to keep in mind um, that I, I would, would say about A. Kaiwa specifically is that um, because it's customer base, customers can complain about how you're teaching a class even if you're teaching it correctly. And even if you're doing it correctly, and you may have to change your lesson based on what that customer wants because they are a customer. The customer, when it comes to, and I have a, um, what is it? I, one of my hobbies is second language acquisition theory. I actually read, um, uh, what is it? The, uh, the, different theories and papers uh, written, written about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of Stephen Krashen. So anyway, um, with A. Kaiwa, the students come in, they want to pay for what they want, but they don't exactly know what they need. So it's one of those things, they, they come in with a preconceived notion of this is how they should learn their like English in their class, and then there's the actual science behind, behind actually how people are supposed to learn. And when you're in that situation... You have to do what the customer wants and not necessarily what's best for the customer. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all we got for this bit here. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? I don't think so. I think that's all the, all the information for this podcast. So if you guys want to uh, chime in, please leave any comments in the comment section below. And if you want to reach us, uh, please search for Brian on his YouTube channel at Guido TTJ. And you can search for me on just Googling me, Lance Sensei, L-A-N-T-Z-S-E-N-S-I, or looking for A-L-T-X in YouTube. And again, thanks for watching the 4T Podcast. Bye. See you.